We're in Matthew chapter five. Open up your Bible, so Matthew chapter five. We're gonna spend some several weeks, excuse me, some several weeks on the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we talked about Jesus Jesus' purpose, right? And Jesus comes to fulfill the law. Today, we're gonna to be talking about anger and murder. Anger and murder. And you're like, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Um, I, I don't have a problem with one of those things. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not out here trying to kill people. You shouldn't, by the way, right? It's just a, that's a bad thing. Um, just, here's, a, here's a quick question. How many of you... and how many of you consider yourself to be logical thinkers? Raise your hand if you're a logical thinker. All right, maybe you don't know. A logical thinker is someone who thinks in process and systems and, and, and they think in truth statements, right? Like you can say something to them and they're like, oh yes, I understand. How many of you in this room are emotional thinkers? Raise your hand. Okay, um, there's more hands I need to go up. I am an emotional thinker. He... Here's what an emotional thinker, um, an emotional thinker like feels everything. An emotional thinker walks into the room and two people walk into the room, right? Um, a logical thinker and an emotional uh, thinker. Um, a logical thinker says, doesn't see anything wrong with the room. And an emotional thinker is like, oh, something feels funny in here. That, the way that person's standing, their body language, what they're saying. Their feet are pointed to the other way. What's going on, right? Um, emotional thinkers, right? We, we tend to, this is me, we tend to feel what you're saying. We, like, I, I'll give you an example. People, and this is, this is just a practical example because all of you in the room um, would know this example. When I preach, if you feel what I'm preaching, right? Like some, I just feel, like I feel what you said. You're probably an emotional thinker. If you're a logical thinker, you'll say, oh, I understood what you said, right? I am an emotional preacher, so emotional preachers get loud and sweaty. <laughs> and, and emotional thinkers, like, my job as an emotional, because this is how God's wired me. God has wired us that way. They're logical and emotional thinkers. And if you're married in this room, um, if you're a spouse, you're looking at your other spouse and saying, you're a logical thinker and you need to feel more, right? Like that's, that's kind of what it is. And the logical thinker saying to the emotional spouse is like, you need to stop feeling so much, right? Um, but, but like when I'm preaching, because like I'm wired this way, I want you to feel what I'm feeling. But then there's another part of the room that I have to realize like, okay, just because I get loud and sweaty, that doesn't mean they're going to listen to what I'm saying. So every time I come up with a sermon, I'm giving you like, this is how the sausage is made, right? Like, I'm showing you what we're doing. Every time I have to write a sermon, emotional people, I gotcha. I can get you fired up. I can get you feeling bad. I know how to get you. Logical thinkers, you guys are so hard. It's so hard. So every sermon, I have to figure out what little nugget of truth that I can just share that the logical thinker walks out and says, oh, I understood that sermon really well when you said this. I never knew that this part of the Bible meant that. And it's so hard. It really is. It's so hard. Um, um, so, so what is Jesus, what does this have to do with the sermon about murder, right? As you go to your neighbors and say, I went to church. What do you guys talk about? Well, we talked about murder. Um, 
what I think what Jesus, what, what we're going to see in a moment um, is that Jesus is going to clarify, he's going to clarify a particular law in the Old Testament. And what Jesus is going to say, that there's a law about murder. And he says, you've heard it before, that it is bad to murder. That it is a sin to murder. But then Jesus is going to say that the bigger sin, the deeper sin, is not just that you not commit murder, but that you have feelings of anger. How many of you in this room, all of us, right, I would imagine, right, have been angry before? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you are a liar because... <laughs> Um, for emotional thinkers, I get angry. I can get angry all the time. Like, it just sparks in me. I'm like, what? That, that is a yield sign. It's not a stop sign. You go, right? <laughs> if the light turns yellow, it means speed up to get by, right? The stop sign is not a complete stop. You just push the brakes and then you go. Like, what are we doing here? Right? I can just like, why are they driving the speed limit? It, why are they driving? It's just, why is the construction five years? I mean, why do, when I, why do we need 10 roundabouts? Who did this? Like, what are we doing? I'm preaching, all right? Yeah, I'm preaching. Why, why did, you know when the, can I tell you something? That, the whole, this gas belt thing in Akron, I don't know if you guys live in Akron, this whole gas thing, I'm, I'm paying crazy money for gas. And I'm like, I barely use gas. What am I doing here? And I'm just, I look at the bill and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, these people are charging me, what, how much they charging me for gas? And water, the water bill, have you guys, Akron? No, am I the only one? Oh my gosh, what am I, like, what's going on here? I'm about to go to uh, Sam's Club and just buy water and never shower, just use bottles because like, <laughs> I need to save some money. Anyway, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that I often, my heart it can often lead to feelings of anger and frustration and bitterness. I'm sure all of you can relate. Like, I'm sure at times that you can be anger, angry and bitter and resentful and frustrated. And for people like me who are wired emotionally, meaning they feel what they're thinking and what they're thinking drives their emotions all the time, it can be it can be really overwhelming and stressful. But guess what? Jesus doesn't say, hey, because I've wired you to be emotional, you have an excuse to, to be sinful. Right? Like, this is the thing with those, these per, have you ever taken like personality exams or like the Enneagram and stuff? I, all that, like the disc profile, and there was the other one, culture index, like all these little things, right? Like I oftentimes think that, that those things are good and helpful for us to understand, but oftentimes I think those things give us an excuse to continue to sit, right? Those things, oh, I'm this, so that's why I'm allowed to behave this way. I'm allowed to say it that way, right? Like I'm wired this way. This is what the the, uh, the whatever that, uh, I'm an ENJF thing, right? The Myers-Briggs, and because I'm an extrovert, I need to bear on people all the time. No, you don't, right? Like, I'm, I'm 
like we use those things as excuses for sin. And what Jesus is going to tell us, right? Jesus is going to tell us, no, that, that, that it is not okay that we're angry. It is not okay that we allow our emotions to dictate our actions. It is not okay that we treat brothers and sisters without love and care and generosity and peace and mercy and grace. It's not an excuse. And remember what Jesus said to us last week, right? When he, he's talking to the disciples, he's saying, you're gonna have to have a righteousness that's superior to the religious leaders. That doesn't mean that you gotta like follow the law better than they, they do. You have to obey the law better the way they do. And the way you obey it is by, by radically changing the way you think and radically changing the way you feel by conforming yourself to the word of God into the image of God. So we read Matthew 5 at verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, right? So he's talking to the people, referring to the people in the Old Testament, the law that was given, you shall not murder. And you would look at that and say, yes, that is true. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. That's a good law, right? But then he goes further. And look what he says in verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Okay. But then he keeps going. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the, to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there, there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Verse 25. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. Where you are going with him to court, at least your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is strong language from Jesus, don't you think? I think most of us can say, hey, Thumbs up on that murder thing. Check that off the box. Hopefully you guys did, right? But now you're talking about anger? Okay, I can work on that. But then he goes a little bit further, right? Okay, now you're insulting, like your words. Not only your feelings, but, but your words. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like... How do I do that? And then, and then he goes on to say, like, not only your insults, but, but someone that you call a fool, that, that's, that's a, a New Testament language, right? Like, it's, it's not only just to call someone stupid, that's what it says, but, but it's also to call someone godless. It's also someone, it's to, to be asparaging to their character. It's, it's more than an insult. It's like, you, you really want to hurt them personally. You want them to feel the pain and hurt. So the main point that Jesus is trying to show us here 
out of this whole section. And this is important, and I'm preaching to myself. So, so when you hear me rebuke and when you hear me exhort you, just know that this passage has, has been weighing on my heart this past week because this is me. This is you and me. So the, the point that Jesus is driving is that our feelings and thoughts of anger will impede our worship to God and our unity in the body of Christ. Our thoughts and our feelings of anger will impede, will become a barrier to our worship to God. And our fellowship and our unity in the body of Christ. Because if you notice something that Jesus is talking about, he's talking about brothers and sisters. He's not talking about strangers. He's talking about brothers and sisters. He's uses, he uses family language. And, and what he's referring to is brothers and sisters who have common purpose, brothers and sisters who have, have common theology, morality, ethics, who he's talking to, he's ultimately talking to us. People who are in the body of Christ, people who have been redeemed by the blood. When was the last time you were angry? And I'm not, you know, I joked before about the stoplight and all that, but, but in a serious sense, like when was the last time you were angry? not only angry about what's happening in the world, but I'm talking about like having a discontent bitterness towards someone here or in your family. Like, I, I wonder, I've heard this before about this passage and it, and it stuck with me and I'll repeat it to you. Like, I wonder how many, how many people in this room right now come to the nine o'clock service because they're avoiding somebody at the 1040 service. How many people like come into a different entrance of the building because you know that the person that you don't necessarily get along with comes to a certain entrance? Maybe you're just avoiding somebody altogether. Maybe, the, maybe it's not even someone here. Maybe it's someone in your family. A fellow believer that you have anger and bitterness towards and Jesus is saying, hey, this anger that you're feeling, this resentment that you have, the thing that you've swept under the rug is impeding, is preventing you from having a true holistic worship to God. And it's not only impeding your worship to the God, but it's also preventing you from, from living in harmony, for, from living in peace with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only in the church, but maybe family members, maybe friends. Like, I, I am okay with Jesus telling me, hey, you need to stop being angry. but I am not okay with the idea of having to address it. 
Because there is a level of passivity, right? Like, I mean, when you think about anger, there's, there's two ways that anger like, manifests itself. It's either in passivity or aggressiveness, right? People who, who can ang- get angry, right? Like, they can be led to being overly aggressive with their tone, with their volume, with their hands, right? Like, they, they, can, they can get into, into fights. Where I'm from, the Bronx, you, you want to be angry, this is, you throw down with your hands, right? Like, this is... That's how we settle it. We go outside and we settle it like men. Then it's the flip side, right? The flip side is we're being passive. We're going to sweep it under the rug. We're not going to address it. And and we're going to pretend like it never happened. We're going to pretend like it was never done. And we're just going to keep living our life. And we're going to avoid that person at all costs. We're, We're... we're going to find out if, if they're at the party or at the gathering, if they're going to be there. And if they are, and we're going to go, we're going to avoid them. We're, we're, we're going to sit somewhere else. We're, we're not going to say anything. And Jesus is saying the complete opposite. If there's any feelings, and the principle applies to everything. right? The principle doesn't only apply to anger, but it also applies to bitterness, frustration, sadness, hurt. Like, it applies... To all the feelings that you feel, the, whatever you're sensing, it is not okay that we continue to live with those feelings, with not addressing it. Because, because you, know why it's, you know why it's a bad deal? Because what Jesus is showing us, these are the citizens of the kingdom. And he's saying that the religious leaders, this is what they do. But this is what we do as citizens of the kingdom. We address the hurt. We address the pain, we address the frustration, we address the anger, we address the bitterness, we address the offense. The world won't, and I've said this before, right? Like, the world's desire is to cancel you and me because the world has a misguided understanding of what true righteousness and true repentance and true reconciliation looks like. The world is looking for perfection in all the wrong places. But we as the body of Christ, you and me as citizens of the kingdom, strive for a different type of righteousness. A righteousness that includes forgiveness and reconciliation. Not a righteousness, right, that, 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 that says we are the victim. A righteousness that says, I have sinned, you have sinned, and we are forgiven before God. Therefore, I'm going to forgive you. And let me tell you something, it's hard. It's so hard to forgive someone that's hurt you. Because because at some level, being angry and bitter and resentful gives you a sense of purpose. It makes you feel like I am worthy and I'm valuable and, and what I'm feeling is who I am, and, and Jesus is saying, no, we, we gotta address that. We, that's not who we are. So Jesus says, right, like, like you've heard it before. Don't commit murder, because you'll be judged, but, but what I'm saying to you is if, if you're angry, you're going to be judged. I mean, think about those words, right, that the words that Jesus is saying is, right, I take sin seriously. Even the feeling and motives 
of your own heart I take seriously. Are you angry this morning? Has someone made you angry? It's a simple message, right? Like, has someone offended you? Or have you offended someone? Jesus calls us, says, address it. Now, I want to, I want to mention this. There, there is a sinful anger and there is a righteous anger, right? Because we can look at this passage and say, every anger is bad. No, no, there's a sinful anger and there is a righteous anger. And, and I want to distinguish the two, right? The, the anger that Jesus is addressing is obviously the sinful one. But, but the righteous anger is what we see in Ephesians chapter 4, right? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. A good example of what righteous anger looks like is when Jesus comes in to the temple and he cleanses the temple, right? He, he sees that it's become a marketplace, a place to make money and inappropriately charge people because, because that place was a place for worship so that people can offer their gifts and offerings and sacrifices. But what they did, what the religious leaders used it as an opportunity to gouge the prices. They use it as a place not of worship but as a place to make money. So Jesus comes in and he wrecks the whole thing. And what does he say? My house shall be a what? A house of what? Prayer. That's a righteous anger. But so what is sinful anger, right? So a couple of passages that I'll give you really quickly of what sinful anger looks like. Sim, sinful anger is motivated by pride, right? That's James chapter one, verse 20. That, that sinful anger is motivated by our, our pride that builds up and swells up in our hearts and our minds. Anger also is sinful when, when it distorts God's purpose, right? That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And what we also see in, in Ephesians chapter 4, like I mentioned before, is anger is also sinful when it's allowed to fester and build and, 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 and grow uh, deep roots into our heart. Sin, sin is, sinful anger is also motivated by not just pride, but is also motivated by, by our sinful nature, Right? Not just our pride, but, but our character flaws. It's motivated by the sins that we have yet to deal with in our own heart. So, so there's two types of, of anger. One is a righteous one. The best example is Jesus, right? You can, like, I'll give you an example, a, a current example right now of a righteous anger, right? Like, um, think of a major issue in our culture, like, let's say sex trafficking, you and I can be righteously angry that there are people in this world who, who do not view women or children bearing the image of God and who use them as sex objects. Amen? That is a righteous anger. When, when we see the poor mistreated, 
when we see children mistreated, when we see elderly people mistreated, that is a righteous anger. When we see injustice in our world, when we see people taking advantage of other people, whether for money or power, that's a righteous anger and say, that is wrong. But, like I said before, sinful anger, what it does is it's motivated by pride. And here's something interesting that I've heard before. This is not my idea, but I think this is a good idea. You know that you're in the path or the place of a sinful anger is that when you look past the person and the only thing you see is their weaknesses and you overlook their strengths, right? That's, that's a sinful, sinful anger that you become an expert on their weaknesses. He, he's like, he's, he says this and he, he does that and he said this to me, he said that to that person, right? Like that's a sinful, like you, you focus on their character flaws, you focus on their weaknesses and you say they have no strengths. Like that's on the path of sinful anger and that's what anger often does to us, right? Like anger often makes us look at other people who who bear the image of God as though they don't have the image of God. Sinful anger makes us look at brothers and sisters and say they deserve pain, they deserve hurt, they deserve punishment for what they did to me. Righteous anger says, when it looks like, when it looks at the sinful world or evil, even the sinful heart of men says, God, have mercy on their soul. Save them. Bring them to repentance. And let your justice be made known. That, that's the path of righteous anger. But but it's interesting that if you look at verse 23, that when we find ourselves in the path of sinful anger, when we find ourselves in the place of anger, Jesus says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, right? So, so check this out. If if you're in the place where you're about to offer your gift, this, this, the equivalent is if you come to church and you find yourself in the worship service and you remember and know that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Notice who's he talking to. He's not talking to the person who's angry. He's not talking to the person who has the feelings of resentment or, or bitterness. He's talking to the person who knows that someone has something against them. And he says, he says to them, you go to them and you reconcile to them. Oh! Why? Right? Like, don't you feel the weight of that? You're like, because you, you feel the weight of it is because you're like, oh my gosh. This, my pride doesn't let me do that. I'm gonna be humiliated. 
I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm afraid of an altercation. I'm afraid they're not going to forgive me. I'm afraid to have to confess that I did something wrong. I don't want them to know I'm weak. I don't want them to know I made a mistake. I don't want them to know that I shouldn't have said that. I don't want them, I don't want them to get away with it because maybe, maybe at some level that conversation, right? Like, like you responded in anger and you hurt them because they, they said something to you, but, but you know something was wrong and pride does not let us reconcile and forgive. And I get it, right? Because it's, it's humbling to have to look to the person that, that you've offended and say, I'm sorry. And sometimes too, sometimes we, we don't want to say it is because, and this is true for the men, right? Like men have this thing. We have this unspoken rule. It's like, we never make mistakes. We're men. <laughs> what I say is true. Logical thinkers are like that, right? Like I've spoken truth. Yeah, you did, but your tone was terrible. And you said it flippantly, right? I'm sure spouses are like, but it's the way you said it, not what you said, right? Like that. We can't let pride or humiliation impede us from being reconciled. And Jesus says, leave your gift there and go. Go and do what? I love that second part. Verse 24. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know the beauty part, the beautiful part of that? The beautiful part about that? Jesus is not saying, hey, listen, because, because you've sinned, because you, you're angry, because you've made someone angry that somehow now if you go reconcile yourself or you go take care of the problem, you say sorry that, that you're going to be rejected by me. The invitation is go handle that business first and then come back to me and worship me. Right? Like it's wisdom that he's sharing here with us. It's good advice that he's sharing here with us. He's saying, I'm not going to reject you for, for this situation, but you have to go address it. Because if you don't address it, it's going to cause friction. It's going to cause a barrier. You can't rightfully worship God when you know that there's, there's an issue between your brother or sister or your spouse, for that matter, or a family member. You have to, have to, Say sorry. But he says go reconcile yourself. Right? It, it's not go have an argument. Because a lot of the problems that we have in debate is like oftentimes we just want to win the fight. We want to win the argument. And this is true for me. Like if I get, if I get in a little heated debate or, or I've, I'm having a, a spirited discussion, Right? a passionate discussion, when I feel like I'm being offended or when I feel like I'm being overlooked, my instant desire is to win the fight. I just want to win the argument. I just want to be right. And that's where oftentimes the offense happens. When one or two people are trying 
to win the argument or, or they're trying to be right. And Jesus says, be reconciled. And for me and for some of us here, sometimes we just have to own more than what we did. It doesn't hurt, right, to say, I'm sorry. E- even if the person, like, misunderstood what you said or misunderstood what you did, like, it's okay to own more than what you did, even if you didn't do it. You don't always have to be right. You don't always have to win the argument. But what you have to do, you have to reconcile. That's the point. You have to come together and you have to ask for forgiveness. And you gotta be willing to extend it. Another point that I want us to read, this is on the flip side. Matthew 18. Right, this is, um, this is the famous section, right, um, about, about addressing issues. If you look at Matthew 18, verse 15, If you have the pew back in Bible in front of you, it's on page 823. Jesus says, right? This is Jesus' words in Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sin, sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Look at that language again, right? That, what do you see in that passage? It's, it's reconciliation, on the flip side, right, if, if someone has offended you, if, if someone has said something or did something to you that has, has caused a division, a separation between you and them, if, if, if it's caused you to be bitter and angry and frustrated, what does Jesus say in Matthew 18? Go. Tell him his fault. Tell him what they did. And the purpose of you telling them is not so that you can win. It's not that you can be right. It's not so that you can feel good about yourself. The purpose of what Jesus is saying here is so that you can be reconciled. So that you and the other person can join together in relationship again, can can be in relationship with each other again. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of reconciliation. It's forgiveness. And like I've said before, the reason why we do it is because God has forgiven us. So, the second point, last point that I'll make here is when we address our anger by seeking reconciliation, it would lead us to repentance and forgiveness, right? The the opposite is true. If Jesus is saying that your anger will be judged, if your insults and words to other people will be judged, and and if if you're going to slander people, if that's going to be judged, the the, the flip side is also true, that if you go and, and you seek reconciliation, then you will find repentance and forgiveness. We should always Always, always be willing to forgive, willing to reconcile. Always be willing to seek repentance. Why? Because we're different. 
We're different than the world. Why? Why do we do it? One, Jesus commands it right here, but the second reason why we do it is because we have to be different than the world. Especially now today. We gotta be different. We can't be like them. We have to show them that what Jesus looks like. And what Jesus looks like is this. Jesus, who, who died on the cross for our sins, he didn't have to do it, but he wanted to do it. Why? So that we can be in right relationship with the Father. We seek forgiveness and repentance and reconciliation so that we can be in right relationship with each other. Because that is a demonstration of love and grace and mercy that we have received from God. So my question for you this morning, are you angry? Is there resentment and bitterness between brothers and sisters in Christ? This is the time now to call that person up that you haven't spoken to for 20, 15, 10 years, the person that you've been avoiding for months, the person that you haven't, you haven't said anything to because of the resentment, Jesus is saying, it's now time to seek reconciliation because judgment is worse than reconciliation. Let's pray. Why don't you take a moment Ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you an offense that you've committed towards someone else. Ask the Spirit to, to reveal to you, is there a root of anger in your heart or resentment towards, towards someone? Or, or do you know someone is angry and bitter and resentful towards you? And, and maybe that's not you this morning. Why don't you thank God, if it's not you, thank God that he has forgiven you. Thank God that you live in harmony and peace with each other. Father God, we thank you for your forgiveness. And even in this moment, as we sit in this room, God, would you reveal to us the anger, the root of our anger, the place that it holds in our heart? Would we seek reconciliation, O oh Lord? And Lord, for, for those of us in this room who, who have pride in our heart, who, who are resistant to the conviction of the Spirit, Lord, would you tug at our hearts again to to seek forgiveness. Would you remind us of what you have done on the cross for, for us as a demonstration of what true reconciliation looks like between us and you? God, let this week, as we move through the days, be reminded that there's nothing to hide, only only forgiveness to be had. We pray this in Christ's name and the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, 
including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.